So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. He stood at the door of the house of Elisha, and Elisha sent a messenger. He sent the messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. His servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And I want to uh, share with you this morning from this thought, I thought. I thought. Now I know that uh, we have a very sunshiny day outside right now. And the lights have even flickered a little bit. But we're going to not be distracted by the elements in the natural. And we're going to look above that. And we're going to see people set free today. We're going to see people set free today. Amen. Can we ask God to be with us and give us personal revelation? Father, we come. Your power is here. It has been here. As has been a spirit trying to shut it down but we come right now thanking you for the power of your spirit that is greater than anything that would come against what you intend to do in the next few minutes I pray for personal revelation let it be done in Jesus name can the church say amen amen God bless you as you're seated it's always an honor to stand with our church family in place of uh, pastor whenever he is ministering and he is at one of his key network churches today and we know that God's using him. Second Kings 5 is about Naaman. Naaman was the captain of the Syrian host. He was a great man, but he was a leper. There was a captured maid or slave that was working in his house And this little maid spoke up and said in so many words, I sure wish Naaman could get with a prophet in Samaria, because if he would, he'd heal him. And many details later, Naaman ends up at the front door of Elisha, and the prophet does not even come to the door, but sends a servant with a message, and it was a message that Naaman didn't like. And Naaman literally goes into a rage. Now, modern medicine proves to us that the angrier we become, the less blood flows through our brains. And the less blood that flows through our brains, um, less blood, less clarity. And so Naaman literally lost his mind and went away in a rage. But his thinking was so out of control that Naaman almost thought himself to death because the domino effect of his thinking just about killed him. And misguided thinking was costly that day, and it's very costly in every area of our lives today. Our thinking can cost us spiritually, which that's the most important thing, but 
It can also cost us relationally and physically and financially in literally every area of our life. There is no area of our life that our thinking is not making a major impact on us. We're here today and, and we're where we are today in life largely because of our thinking. A few words in Proverbs 23 and 7 spells it out clearly. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we understand that the battle is for the mind because the mind is the control center. The mind is the decision maker. And we see the power of thinking. Thinking good or thinking evil. It's powerful. This is why we see the battle that is raging. It's been raging for a while, but now it has intensified in a major way to change our education centers to indoctrination centers. The reason why is, is because the powers of evil understand the power of thinking. And now it's not just about math and English and science and geography. It's about indoctrination. We've seen throughout history the power of evil thinking with men and women. There's a good reason why if we have a little boy born into our family now, we don't even consider calling him Hitler. That name has kind of been moved off the shelf because someone named Hitler thought he could rule the world. He thought he could create a genetically modified super race. And his thinking created one of the greatest monsters of all times. And millions were tortured and killed because of what he thought. Terrorists today are a major issue in our world. Honestly, I, I didn't even think about terrorists growing up. I didn't realize how prevalent terrorism was even as I was growing up. And one of the earliest recorded attempts was as far back as November the 5th, 1605, when Robert Catsby plotted to blow up the House of Lords. And the reason he was going to do it is he needed to kill King James I so Elizabeth, his nine-year-old daughter, could be instated as the head of state. Terrorism was happening long before it, it registered with me. But in 1995, it registered with me, and that was when Timothy McVeigh, his, he allowed his disillusionment with the government to boil over to where he thought that, that carnage was the answer. And so he blew up a federal building in Oklahoma City, and he killed 168 people, including 19 children in a daycare that was inside that building. Interestingly enough, Timothy McVeigh met his death by lethal injection in 2001, right here in Terre Haute, Indiana. I didn't realize that until I was studying it this week. So time has moved on, and now we have those who, who have taken it to a new level. Their thinking drives them to strap on explosives and walk into crowded areas, and they blow themselves up in order to kill as many people as possible. As many as possible. That's the goal. Carnage. Numbers. Because of their thinking. I remember a few years ago, I was watching some news coverage, and some terrorists uh, drove up beside a yellow SUV and blew them away. Does anyone remember that that picture? It was kind of when all of this was really coming to the forefront, and quite frankly, that that scene jolted me. I can still see it in my mind when I think about it. Now, admittedly, I am easily jolted by images like that, it's the reason that I am easily jolted is because I'm very 
very careful and I refuse to be desensitized by what I put in front of my eyes. I'm not here getting on anyone's case. I'm just saying that that when I see pictures like that, I have not allowed myself to be desensitized by watching a lot of blood and by watching a lot of murder and by playing games that bring all of that into it. You say, oh, you've started meddling now. Yes, I have started meddling because there's spirits with all of that. There's spirits. Their spirits with it. You know, next Sunday, I was thinking about next Sunday. Next Sunday's a great collision of spirits. It's Halloween. You thought about that? Next Sunday is Halloween. It'll be a great collision of the spirits on one day next Sunday. God forbid that there would be a lot of people in this house that would do their horror flicks and their Halloween theme, and open themselves up to all of that and then drag all that mess in here on Sunday morning to have to be worked over. God forbid. God forbid. I'm talking about our thinking. Here's, here's what people don't understand. We didn't understand it. Whenever I was growing up, uh, if I could sneak off and watch TV, and I had to in our house, we had to sneak off and watch TV. And the, and the one of my favorite shows, I had, I had two shows I loved. I loved Andy Griffin, and I loved Bewitched. <laughs> loved it. I mean, there's this pretty woman that could just twitch her nose, and all kinds of crazy things would happen. And so now I am the age I am, and what happens when we get older? We get the benefit of the rearview mirror. Yeah, we get the benefit of the rearview mirror. And now I look back at that when it would come on, and she was on that broom flying around, and all the sparks was going in, and it was like, oh, man, you know, that was so neat. But now I've got the benefit of the rearview mirror, and I look back, and I see one word that comes with all of that, gateway. Gateway. Make it nice. Make it pretty. Make it neat. Make it funny. And then drive it in. And so now we look back, and so we see the desensitization of many of us in many areas, and it can happen spiritually. And so therefore, we have many people that are born again and frustrated. And we have many people who are born again, and they do not have peace. Why can we not have peace? Well, because Isaiah says that thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. But whenever we spend the week eating at the table of the devils, then the little happy meal with Jesus on Sunday don't cut it. It, there's, there's no way. It will not weigh out. And so we have to understand, can we have peace? Yes. Yes, we can live in peace. And you young people can learn it right now. There is a path to peace. There is a path to peace. It does not include blood. It does not include gore. It does not include horror. But there is a path to peace. Yes, there is. There is, there is a path to peace. And so I am easily jolted. And I trust to stay living in a manner that I will remain easily jolted to these things. So how can terrorists do this? How, how, how can they do this? How, how can they so intently and calmly kill? How can they do that? Well, the answer is found where all the answers are found. It's in the Bible. John 16 and 2. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that they doeth God's service. They will think that this is pleasing their God. 
They literally think that blowing themselves up and killing others pleases their God and guarantees them a better life in eternity. How can they do this? Let's, let's think about it. As they walk into a crowd wired up with explosives, they are thinking, I'm almost home. I'm almost home. I'm almost to paradise. It's almost over. My whole life has, has been set for this moment. And that's what they think. That is their thinking. And so we see the power of thinking. In our world today, people think that a person inside a person is not another person. And so there's classes that you can take to help you think this way. There's intentional instruction to help you disconnect from that growth inside you. It's not a person. It's a growth. They, they think that personal choice is the situation instead of another life. This is not another life inside of me. It's a growth. It's a growth that needs a procedure. And that's what they think. And this is the same infant killing spirit from thousands of years ago. It just has a different face. We have to understand this. We wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers and the daughters of this world. And all of these things, we have to understand, it's spirit. And so the enemy wants us to think human level, stay locked in on the human level, and stay locked in on issues that can be encapsulated in a human level situation, and let's ignore the spirit. It's the same spirit. It's just another face. Years ago, it had the face of Pharaoh. Years ago, it had the face of Herod. And this death spirit showed itself in the face of, of the children of Molech and those that would pass their children through the fire or sacrifice their children by fire to a god. Why? Because the power of thought is so powerful. People's lives have been ended because of a wrong thought. Hunters have been killed because someone thought they were an animal. My friend's grandson lost his life in an explosion when he thought the gas had been released from the cylinder that he was instructed to weld. A few days ago, Alec Baldwin, he thought that the gun that he picked up on the set was unloaded, but now one of his co-workers is dead. The medical world thought in times past that bleeding a patient would help them, and it killed many. Many people thought that the world was flat, and so they would not go beyond, they, they would not move beyond because of that thought. Disoriented, experienced pilots have, have flown planes into the ground thinking that they were gaining altitude. Wrong thinking not only causes physical death, but wrong thinking litters our lives with the death of purpose and the death of fulfillment and the death of peace and the death of opportunity. Many are limited by family, tradition, thinking. This can be a very tough one because whether our family was loving or not, there are many traditions and thought processes that are solidified by family through the years. If grandparents and parents fight and if they scream and if they demean, then sons and daughters and grandchildren just grow up thinking this is right. Many are locked into poverty thinking. Now, it's one thing to have a scarce season or seasons, but it's quite another thing to be locked into a poverty mindset. 
This is not just in the area of finances. Embedded thought processes are hard to break. I promise you, had I told my children all of their life growing up, if I would have gone to the sink and and started calling it a table, if I would have gone to a table and started calling it a sink, they would have figured it out at some point in life. But my, how much wasted effort it would have taken and, and how ridiculous for them to just grow up under me thinking something so absurd. Family tradition thinking is a real issue. And now we come to really the crux of the message. All the rest of it was an introduction to bring our minds to the costliest one of them all. And that's religious tradition. Religious tradition. This is the big one. Because wrong thinking spiritually can be the most serious of all. God never intended there to be such different thinking regarding the Bible. Never. God never intended the religious landscape to look like it looks right now. Never. There's no way. God's not interested in us proving our religion right. Let's get this straight. But he's interested in us rightly dividing the only word that is right. We're not going forth right now trying to prove our religion right. This is not about us trying to prove that Pentecost is right. There are many forms of Pentecost. Believe me, there are some people that consider themselves Pentecostal that I don't want any connection with whatsoever. So it's, it's beyond Pentecost. Many people think that all they have to do to go to heaven is be good. That's it. It's all we have to do. Just be good. There's absolutely no biblical basis for that at all, but it is a common thought that if we'll just be good, I see on social media, and this, this thought is proven to me, how many times someone of notoriety will pass away. And I have seen apostolics text or tweet or whatever and say, R.I.P., rest in peace. Well, maybe there was something about their life that nobody knew. I don't think they had ever been born again. I have seen apostolics text that you say, you're, you're making a big deal over another. No, I'm not. I'm attacking a thought, a, a dangerous thought process. So how in the world can we think, rest in peace, when we don't know if they've been born again, and many of them are living outright immoral lifestyles when they died? And then apostolics, R.I.P. Are you kidding me? It's thinking. People say things like when we're talking about these kinds of things, people say things like, well, there are many roads that lead to Chicago in reference to heaven. Well, that's great news if our destination is Chicago. But that's bad news if we're bringing that thinking into our eternal home. I'm not standing here today trying to be mean. I'm not, I'm not standing here. But I'll tell you, I have had one week where in my mind, the Spirit of the Lord has kept me on. People have got to be born again. People, let's slow it down. We got to be born again. People have got to be born again. If you're in this sanctuary today, or if you're watching by way of webcast, and you can get here, if you get in your car now and keep listening and come here, you've got to be born again. We've got to be born again. This is what it's about. 
We're, we're, we're not talking about getting a good vacation. We're not talking about retirement and getting a little cake and some punch and a gold watch. We're not, we're not talking about any kind of an earthly accomplishment that we attain. We're talking about eternity and how we think about eternity matters. This is beyond religion. I'm not up here today talking about let's be religious. I'm beyond religion. I'm, I'm into looking into eternity where every one of us are headed. Every one of us are headed to eternity. This is not about just being a new life member. And so when we start thinking in this way, then I can look at Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I would challenge us this week to really look at what does it mean straight and wide and broad. We may need to seriously consider that. Mark 16 and 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Believeth, baptized, saved, believeth not, damned. John 3 and 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God except water, Spirit, cannot enter kingdom of God. John 14 and 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The way. The truth. The life. As I've said many times, not a way or a truth or a life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 2.38 then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hope I'm not boring you the way I'm presenting this today, but it's too big of a deal. 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 I'm not going to risk going too fast and too loud over this. Because we have too much wrong thinking in many minds. Repent baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not for church membership, not just for a public profession of an inward decision, but for the remission of sins.
and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And now we move to the letter to the church in Rome that had the revelation of Acts. Romans 1 and 7. We need to get this. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, the translators added to be. To all that be in Rome, this, this is the letter to Rome. These are churches. This is Paul writing a letter to Rome, to this established church. We see it at the beginning. And, and this is major. God started talking to me about this this morning, about how this Roman road is such a big thing in people's minds. I am for the Roman road, but it's not an isolated road. The Roman road is not a beginning and ending by itself. It's part of the journey. The Roman road is part of the salvation journey. And it's proven in the first chapter of Romans right at the beginning, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called saints. And then we go to Romans 1 and 8. He's speaking to these people that this letter is being written to. Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. These, these are not people that have never heard about Jesus. These are, these are not people that have never had an experience. No, not, not at all. These, these, this was a church. In Romans 1 and 12, I'll just end this part with this. That is, and I may be comforted that I might be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. We are people of faith. This was not a new start. This is not a new plan of salvation. This is a piece of the journey. So absolutely I can go to Romans 10 and 9 and say with confidence and belief that with this verse in place, in the continuation of the plan of salvation, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Putting this in context, I can read Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why are you, why are you teaching on Sunday morning? Because we have an issue in our thinking. In our thinking. Again, I say, this is not to prove our church right above everyone else. This is not a local church competition. We are not in a local church religious Olympics. It's not about local churches. Local churches are supposed to be satellites of the kingdom. And so how are we born into the kingdom? So nowhere in the Bible does it say only be good and you'll go to heaven when you die. Nowhere. You cannot prove that biblically. Nowhere does it say you are saved if you only believe on Jesus Christ. Nowhere. If you find it, please tell me and I promise you I will make a, a public apology. Nowhere does it say that you are saved if you only confess Him as your Lord and Savior. It just doesn't say it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you are saved when you repeat the sinner's prayer. Are you blasting the sinner's prayer? I'll go further than the sinner's prayer. 
We need saints' prayers. You better believe we want sinners to pray. And for God's sake, we need saints to pray. But there is no place, there is no place that anybody can prove to me scripturally that you can come down here and repeat a prayer after me and be saved. And I am not blasting those who believe that. I am not. I've got people that I love dearly that believe this. But we must think right when it comes to Scripture and basic salvation would be a great place to start. And I'll tell you where we need to go from there, and that is growing up in Him would be a great place to continue. Because there are many apostolics that need a revelation that the new birth is not the new retirement. We got a lot to do, people. There's a lot to be done, saints. There's a lot to be done, disciples. We've we got to get this right. Being born again is not enough. It's not enough. You say you're you're judging. I'm I'm not judging. I'm reading the word of God. These people who think they can be born again and then just kind of whatever they decide to give God of their time, whatever they decide to give God of their talent, whatever they decide as if we have the final say on that, go to Matthew 25 and study that that chapter. Get, get all three of those messages down deep inside of your spirit and you'll realize it's dangerous to be born again and not active in the kingdom. That's another thought process that we're going to have to, to deal with. Just listen, just clock it in on Sunday morning and periodically come on Wednesday night to your teaching. It ain't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. I promise you, it's not going to cut it. It's great. It's great. Now I'll really attack a major thinking thing. The local church and Sunday is a necessary supplement. You say... Supplement? How in the world can you take the local church and say that it's a supplement? It is a supplement. I'll tell you, if the apostolic church ever realizes that the foundation for Acts 2 and all that we should be doing when apostolics actually do go past 38, and then we do get into the lifestyle of what we're supposed to be, we've got to understand that the foundation for Acts 2.38 is found back in Deuteronomy 6. Because a lot of apostolics are hung up on daily in the temple, daily from house to house. But guess what? The basis for daily is continually and continually can only be answered when they wake up and when we walk around and when they go to bed. Continually can only be answered in the home. Thinking, thinking. I thought, well, I thought, well, why don't we all get on a major focus to align our thinking with what the Word of God says? It's not enough just to be born again. It's not enough. We must grow. We must become laborers in the field. We've got to become active laborers with Christ. Now, I hope I don't embarrass her. It's the second time that I've mentioned her name out of, out of the pulpit. But where is uh, Amara? Would you just, would you raise your, uh, I see you. I see you. I don't know when, just, everything's fine. I'm not going, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not, I'm not even going to have you stand. As a matter of fact, if it'll make you feel better, I'll look over here and talk as if you're over here instead of over here. I don't know when your thinking started changing, but I sure am glad it did. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you can help me someday with, well, it just started. You say, well, what are you uh, talking about? She's really interested in other people. Somehow, things she used to think about, there's been a prioritization somewhere in her life, and I hope to get some time, some time to sit down and just hear her story. But I have noticed a difference in her thinking, and, and her thinking has moved to where I believe it was Friday night. She invited 
some people or a couple of people over to uh, talk about Jesus and, and someone who had never been born of the Spirit was born of the Spirit in their room Friday night. That's good thinking. Is, is that her? She, uh, she is sitting beside her right now. And, and when I said that, she reached over and hugged her. Thinking. 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 What are we thinking? Second Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. That's what we're after. We're after going after the strongholds that are in our mind that have us convinced in a manner that we're operating our life to where we're unfulfilled, to where we're frustrated, and to where we're not seeing what God really has for us and wants to flow through us and how he wants to use us for his message to get through to other people to where they change their thinking. So I come here today and I'm just about through and I'm just saying, hey, Naaman, the servant is looking at you. Thank God one of the servants got over themselves and took a risk and went up to this mighty man and said, hey, you know, in so many words, he definitely didn't say this, but in so many words he was saying, would you quit being ridiculous? It's only asking you to go dip seven times in this. You've already come so far. You've, you've already made the move toward it. Obviously, you, you thought you were thinking right. Your thinking brought you to a point. But this is what we have to understand. The adversary will never stop working on our thinking. The adversary will work on you to where you will not turn toward God. Then if you do turn toward God, then it'll work on you to where you won't become a part of the local body and, and become a laborer or won't come in. You may come in. Some of you have, you have come in those doors many times. The enemy tried to think you out of ever walking in those doors, but you've never walked to the front. You, you've never, and you say, well, what's about the front? It's a step of faith. I'll, I'll even go further. Maybe you've never even stood back in your seat and truly surrendered to God and given God a chance. Why? Because the enemy's going to dog us at every step. It's going to be, I'm going to try to make you stop here, but now you're doing this. Okay, now I've got to get to, I've got to get you to think to where you won't take the next step. Okay, you did. All right. Well, I'm going to match you right there and I'm going to start pouring into your head now to keep you from making that next step. And so we see Naaman that his thinking took him from Syria all the way to the prophet's door. And he's thinking, here's what's going to happen. He's going to walk out. Here's how this thing's going to go. Prophet's going to walk out. He's going to raise his hand. He's going to speak to his God. He's going to speak to this, and it's all going to be gone. But when somebody came out that was not the man of God, and when it did not go the way he thought, then he was enraged, and he just about thought himself to death. And so I'm here today. We're only a couple of minutes from your opportunity for us to turn toward God. And I'm just saying, the servant is standing in the pulpit today begging you, 
Think right. Think right. What are the strongholds that need to be cast down for you to bring your thinking into the obedience of Christ and get over whatever it is holding you back? And if it's a person, there's no person worth your fulfillment now and your salvation later. No person, no human, no human. We've got to think obedience to God, not how it came or what it said to do. It's not about that. It's thinking, what is God saying? I don't have to have emotion. Wow, that's a big one for apostolics. I don't have to have emotion. There are some people that have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost is because they think that, that it's going to force them to speak. There are some people that have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they cannot get the right thinking that it is a gift. They don't have to earn it. There are people that have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they can't think surrender. And then there are people that have the Holy Ghost and will not move into a fruitful life of power and ministry because of thinking. The Spirit of God's here today to deal with some serious, deep thinking. And so as we stand together right now, I do not know, I do not know if you are here and because of the Scripture, you have decided God's Word said it, therefore I will do it. I must be born again. If that is you, then I would, I would like when we open up to come forward, I would like for you to make your way over to my right your left, and, and uh, we will have people here that will, that, will, that will minister to you. Now, here's where it's going to get real deep. Now, I'm after, I'm after some people that have been here a long time, and your thinking has shut you down. Your thinking has shut you down. It may have shut you down this much. It may be just holding you back a little. It may shut you down this much. It may be this. Or, or you may absolutely be just entangled in your mind. I'm telling you today that there's hope. And, and the power of God is here today to break family, generational thinking processes it's not it, and it's it's not about how we feel or issues that we're going to have with our grandparents or our parents or what it's not even about that it's about it's it's kind of like the Jesus coming up to the man and and there's a crowd there but it's all blocked out and Jesus just says will you be made whole will you will you will you make the decision that long enough, been held down enough. Something, something's not right here in my, in how I'm thinking, and I'm not going to work it out by myself. But, but with the power of God, I will. I know it will be a bold step. But if you're here, and any of that fits you, would you just step out right now and walk to the front and come as close as you can?
please come down close. Please come down close. There are people that are walking down right now that are that have decided they will not think themselves to death. Come. Come closer. Come closer. No human, no human is worth you allowing them to hold you back. No, no family situation, no thing that has happened in your life. I'm going to give it just a, a couple of more. There's been a, a great, great response, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not after number here. I'm after what the Spirit is saying, and the Spirit is saying there's still some more. That, that need to just slide out and this this is not about it's 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 this is not about a walk of shame this is not a walk of shame please this is not a walk of shame it's a walk of faith it's a walk of faith it's not a walk of shame it's a walk of faith now every one of you that walk forward right now we're going to take a moment we're going to take a moment and we're going to ask God to forgive us of anything that could block His Spirit from ministering to us. All of those of you that are still standing in the chairs, would you just close your eyes, stretch your hands toward these people that have walked down? Can, can we just ask God to forgive us, those, that, those of us that have walked forward? Let's make sure... Let's make sure that it's not some active sin or some act that we have not surrendered to. Father, we come just like your word says. Your word says that if, that if we will confess and we will forsake, we can confess right now and we know you'll give us the power to forsake. We don't have the power within ourselves to forsake, but you will empower us to forsake. But I can confess right now, and, and you will cleanse. We're praying for the cleansing power of what, of what your, your word says.